Every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome to First Draft. I'm Chris. We have Kuyper and McShay, and it's Senior Bowl week. Todd is on the ground in Mobile, tearing up the town. Uh, it's a big week, Todd. You, I'll let you get this thing started. It, you have, I think you have said... That this is about as intriguing, maybe as good and deep a quarterback class as we've ever seen down there in Mobile. And, you know, we'll get back to Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray, uh, later, guys, that could certainly go in the top ten. I mean, this, this whole senior bowl feels like kind of that battle for number three. And it's an interesting horse race. There's a lot of names. We had some measurements come out yesterday. I just kind of wanted to run through these guys. Get your feedback on where you guys think they are and where they think they could go. I'll start right at the top. Drew Locke is a guy that, um, you know, some people think could, you know, elevate to that number three spot. Hand size maybe becomes a question. I don't know if you can do some hand yoga between here and Indy to get that stretched out. But Todd, Drew Locke from Missouri, tell us what you see and what he needs to prove. Yeah, he measured in it. Uh, nine with nine inch hands, which was kind of really surprising to me. I mean, I, I had I had not heard that he had smaller hands, and I know people start to laugh about it at this point. But there's I don't know that there's anyone Mel with nine inch hands that's ever had sustained success. Maybe it's smaller than nine hands. Maybe that's the cutoff. But nine inch hand span when they measure from from pinky, you spread out your hand from pinky to the top of the thumb. Um, so and for a bigger quarterback. Uh, I was, that's just really surprising. You know, six, we've seen three, 228, right? Yeah, 6'3, 228. But no, to your point, I mean, Drew Locke is one of, is one of the guys because he's so big, strong arm, athletic, improved as the season progressed under his first year coordinator who came in and, and brought from the Cowboys more of a pro style system. It's the first time he ever had had to set his protections, make pre-snap reads and identify defenses full field progression reads and, and all the other things that you need to do as a, as a pro quarterback. So he was swimming in it a little bit early in the season. I think as this, the year progressed, as his receivers got a little bit healthier too, he started to play at a, at a really high level. Uh, Daniel Jones is, is Kuiper's guy. He can get into him in a little bit. Ryan Finley is another quarterback. You know, you said, you mentioned the quote, I did say, I think this is one of the deepest groups of quarterbacks we've ever seen. Now, you don't have Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming as a first-round pick for Buffalo last year. You don't have Baker Mayfield coming out of Oklahoma, who brought all the fanfare and eventually became the number one overall pick for the Browns. But when I say deep, we had nine guys originally. Clayton Thorson from Northwestern uh, had to pull out because of an ankle injury. So now eight quarterbacks that are all competing to be drafted and I think with the exception of Tyree Jackson and Gardner Minshew, I think they're all competing to be dra- drafted maybe in the first three rounds. So you're talking about six guys potentially in the first three rounds and eight guys that are going to wind up being drafted. And it, it's been hard because of all the underclassmen quarterbacks. It's been hard for the senior bowl to get this kind of depth before. But with Daniel Jones, NC State's Ryan Finley, mentioned Drew Locke, 
Trace McSorley, who all he did, it seems like, is win at Penn State and a great competitor, although undersized at six foot and a quarter, 200 pounds. Will Greer, who has a lot of fanfare coming out of West Virginia, put up some big numbers um, coming off the ankle injury, didn't play in the bowl game, uh, but he, he's been here and had a up and down first day. Uh, Jarrett Stidham, I mentioned from Auburn. Clayton Thorson had to check out. Gardner Minshew, who had a monster season in uh, one year at Washington State after transferring from ECU. And then kind of the the sleeper and the guy who maybe has the most to gain this week would be Tyree Jackson, six foot seven quarterback coming out of Buffalo. Mel, tell us a little bit about Tyree Jackson. We'll get back to your guy, Daniel Jones, later. But Tyree Jackson... Yesterday, there was a lot of talk, ah, he's not going to come in at 6'7". Sure enough, 6'7", 249. I mean, he. this is a two-star kid out of a Western Michigan high school. He goes goes generally, you know, uh, under-recruited, and, but the size, the arm, is it? Is there something there? Is this a guy who could rise? Well, I guess he could. Uh, when he watched him this year and saw a lot of Buffalo Bulls games because they got off the, the phenomenal start. They were putting up a lot of numbers. He had Anthony Johnson, wide receiver to throw to. K.J. Osborne as well had a really good year uh, for the Bulls. They were a good football team. And he was really doing a great job leading that team. He had some inconsistencies throwing the football. His delivery from the time he actually makes a decision where he's going to getting that ball out a little slower than some people would necessarily want. He'd speed that up a little bit. Uh, his accuracy at times is up and down. Uh, he made a few you know, questionable decisions along the way. I thought late in the year he started to struggle a bit. Uh, but overall, the talent there, I was surprised he came out. I can understand why. Osborne moving on as well, leaving the program, going on to Miami. You got the, you know, Johnson going into the NFL, so you lose your weapons. They did have a, a, a basically a record-setting year for, for Buffalo and for that uh, football program. So I can see why, but he's raw. We always say now, well, they're raw, they need time. And you see the first-rounders aren't getting time. They're playing right away. In, in Tyree Jackson's case, Todd and Chris, I think he needs time, and I think he'll get time. So if you draft him late, uh, sometime on day three, uh, if that's where he ends up going, we're still very early in the process, and I think he is the ultimate developmental quarterback prospect that will be on the shelf, will be sitting and watching, unlike the first-rounders. He'll be a guy you need to spend two, maybe three years getting ready for the NFL. Todd, Will Greer, another guy you mentioned, Will Greer coming into this season, there was a lot of talk that this guy could be a a top-ten type. Now, I'm saying a lot of talk, just general scuttlebutt, uh, not attributing it to you or the esteemed Mel Kuyper, but... Is is he in that conversation as a guy, not as a top 10, but, but a guy that some team might fall in love with and just say, yeah, we'll grab him at the end of round one or early round two? You know, it just seems like there's this, again, there's this mix of guys, whether it's Locke, Jones, Greer, who's going to be number three? Does Greer have a chance to be that guy? I will be surprised. Now, I do think he's he's a day two prospect, meaning second, third round. Mm-hmm. Um, he He does have a stronger arm than you think. It was interesting watching him yesterday. They even were measuring like initial power, ball coming out of hands and all that stuff. A lot of different technology here this uh, this week, which is cool. But um, he's a little bit stronger arm than you'd expect. He's got average size. I mean, he's 6'2 218, which is fine. 9.5 inch hands, which so the the measurement portion went well for, for Will Greer. And I, I just thought there's inconsistency, especially when he's on the move or if his first target isn't open. Not to get too specific on it, but 
you know, you can see it in practice. You see it on tape where when he's on the run, he's just he's not quite as, as accurate. And if he has to move off his initial spot and those sorts of things. Now, he's really he is good. He's instinctive and he's good at extending plays and, and making plays. But um, he missed on a, on a few, I would say three straight throws yesterday where he had to move off the initial spot. So I'd like to see a little bit more consistency out of him. But certainly he has uh, the career and the the accolades and the the passing numbers that allow you to go back and then study the tape and there's enough of the tape against quality competition. So this isn't going to be a make or break week week for him, but it is interesting to sit and watch him throw and then compare him to a, uh, Jarrett Stidham, who's up and down with decisions and up and down with accuracy, but is just a really natural thrower of the ball. And uh, Gardner Minshew's on that squad as well. And then you know, with Ryan Finley and Daniel Jones and Drew Locke, just being able to compare and contrast them all in one place within a four-hour span each day, uh, really, it, it's helpful to me, at least, as an evaluator, especially at that position. Hey, Mel, Jarrett Stidham, another guy like Greer, a lot of people said at the beginning of the season, hey, who knows how high this guy can rise. If you, This goes for a lot of guys, but I, I definitely put Stidham in this camp. If you take a highlight reel and you say the 10 coolest throws or things he did on the football field this season – it's incredible, but to Todd's point, the downs are bad. You know, uh, where is Jarrett Stidham end up? Well, Stidham, there's going to be a lot of mixed opinion on because of the offense he was in at Auburn and the fact that they had some things going on within that offense that weren't able to be week to week that he could count on from a running game, receiver entity, injuries as well to receivers. So a lot of things, a lot of the moving parts around Stidham weren't in line for him to have a great year, um, especially when you consider what everybody thought going in he would develop into. Uh, he's got talent. Like I said, there's going to be some people that will look at him this year and say, ah, he's not going to be an NFL starting quarterback. And I think if you can get past some of the things you saw and maybe excuse some of those things away, you can maybe believe down the road he could be more than just a, a career backup type if that's what they, they feel he's he's ultimately uh, going to be, uh, the, the, the naysayers. So for Stidham, I don't think – I think he's a day three guy um, right now. Uh, maybe he elevates during the process. I had him pegged for a day three. I don't think he's in the mix to be the third quarterback taken right now behind Haskins and Murray, assuming Kyler Murray's all in for football. It's going to be Haskins and Murray 1-2. We're battling now. We're seeing a battle in, in Mobile to see who will be – if Murray's out and, in, and all in on football, who will be the third quarterback taken. I don't know if you agree with that. I think it's down to, I think it's really down right now. I think, I think the leader right now, and I know you'll say he's my guy, but he's really not. He's, is Daniel Jones from Duke. I think he's the guy who right now, if you had to say, how do they slot right now? It would be Haskins, Murray, Daniel Jones. Yeah, and I would say Drew Locke probably right, right after that. I would say Drew Locke and, and, um, I would say Drew Locke, Ryan Finley, and Greer kind of in that, that next group, all kind of competing in, uh, second, third round range. Yeah, and Clayton Thorson is an interesting one because he had that injury late yeah. the previous year, and people looked at him this year. And I had a couple guys in the league say, "Hey, can't get it done. He, you know, he's not. He's struggling." He's, and then you got to that you got to factor in where he was physically. He was on a pitch count. He was a guy who was out there battling through a bad injury that he came back a lot faster than anybody thought he could and played and 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 still led them to a lot of victories and gutted it out. So I, I think the thing I get tired of hearing is that with some of these guys is they 
don't want to excuse away what we see. And I'm not saying it's an excuse, but when a guy's hurt and he's coming off an injury, you kind of almost look at it and say, I can't evaluate him based on what I'm seeing. I got to give him credit for just being out there and go back to when he was 100%, which he wasn't this year at any point in time. So for Clayton Thorson, I think if you look at, at where he is when he's 100% and the way he played through and tried to be out there leading his football team, you got to give him a lot of credit for that. So I think he's going to be the kind of the wild card because this year wasn't really reflective of what type of quarterback maybe Clayton Thorson can be. Some people think he's a career back. Maybe he's just a career backup type. Maybe he is no better than Mike Glennon type. Well, we'll see. But I think Clayton Thorson deserves the benefit of the doubt considering he was coming off a bad injury and did at least get out there and play this year. All right. I have to ask the question. Gardner Minshew, mustaches are associated with hand sizes now in the Sprouse Scouting Bible. It's available at bookstores nowhere. Todd, t- ten and a quarter. We got Russell Wilson hands for Gardner Minshew. What do you make of a guy like this? And, I, and I'm not just saying, but a guy that has just one year. He knew the air raid system before he got to Washington State. Leach obviously does what Leach does, and just and was able to help produce just an incredible year. Gets the guy to you know he gets to go with the crew to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. What do you make of a guy like this, where it's just this one year? of remarkable production. I mean, I feel like he he's the quintessential reason a senior bowl exists. You get a guy down like here, you're able to stack him up next to other people, you're able to do these measurements, and you're able to say, okay, now run this. I'm going to have Tyree run it. I'm going to have Drew Locke run it. I'm McSorley run it. And you actually get a sense of what he is. Is is the, What's your sense of him while you're down there? Well, I, I thought he had a pretty solid – First day. I mean, I agree with your point. I think it's guys like this that really stand to to benefit or in some cases come and get exposed. And I I really don't think it winds up hurting a lot of guys. But there's there are plenty of examples of guys that just came down here and weren't weren't able to advance their stock or take advantage of the opportunity to impress teams in this setting. So with Minshew, again, the the measurements are solid. Six one, a little shorter than ideal, but it's really not a big not a big issue anymore. Two twenty four, so a thickly built guy with ten and a half inch hands. Those those are positives that he does have the build and he does have the the big hands to help protect the football. Um, I thought he got the ball out quick. I thought he was decisive yesterday in, in unit drills. I think he has just an average arm, but but adequate. Um, didn't take a lot of shots vertically, played it safe throughout most of the practice. I thought there were a few times where he kind of missed within the strike zone instead of leading the receivers the yards after catch. He completed them, but he could have been more accurate with his throws. So that's an area he can continue to improve on this week. But I, I think it was a, a solid start for him. I, I think, again, another day three prospect who, who knows, one day we may look back and say, you know what, Coming out of that offense with the one year of experience, it's just under six foot one. There are a lot of things working against Minshew, but I do when I watch him on tape, I do think he is capable of making full field progressions. I like his pocket presence, and I also have liked kind of the the moxie that he brings. You know, he's got an attitude about him. He's got kind of I don't want to say Baker Mayfield and compare. There's not a comparison there, but he's got a little bit of that energy that he brings to the field to his team and. um and I, so I think he's a little bit more than just the system guy coming out of that offense. So, Mel, if you were just to stack up all your quarterbacks right now, just give me day one, day two, day three, like your top ten. Where are? Put a cap on all this. Where are all these guys right now? 
Day one would be, obviously, the, the Haskins-Murray. We'll keep them out. They're not senior bowl. But of the senior bowl guys, Jones is the day one. Mm-hmm. Um, Locke probably day two. Greer day two. Finley, I'd say right now, two to th- day two to three. Stidham more three. Thorson day three. Minshew day three. Tyree Jackson day three. McSorley, that two three category. Some like, some don't. So, I, yeah, that's the way I would look at the senior bowl guys from that grouping with, like I say, I think uh, battling for third right now, Jones, maybe Locke. I don't think Greer right now is in that mix. I don't think Finley is or Stidham. Um, you know, McSorley's probably kind of the wild card of that group as to have a guy who played at a, a major program, did some really good things. Um, you know, what do you measure at? Todd, a little over six feet yesterday? Or when he came in? Yeah, McSorley was six foot, uh, yeah. and two eighths, so a quarter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 200 pounds with nine and one eighth inch yeah. hands. Yeah. So he's within the, the range for his height and what you thought he was. But again, you're looking at Minshew, McSorley, kind of backup type guys. Maybe one jumps out. If you go to the one, it could jump maybe a little further than that up. Maybe McSorley. So I think I'll throw him into the wild card category, uh, would be, uh, a guy that, you know, could be maybe a late day two, early to mid day three. But I think for battling for the third quarterback spot now, I think the rest of the week, watch Daniel Jones, Duke, and certainly watch uh, Drew Locke from Missouri. All right, that caps the quarterbacks. Let's do. Let's just dive in a little bit, nerd out here on the Senior Bowl itself. Todd, give me a few more names of guys that are down in Mobile that you think are going to be guys we're talking about on night one of the NFL draft, first round types that you're able to see close up this week. Night one, I would say. I would say Sweat from Mississippi State. Pass rusher. Would be, yeah, the edge rusher. He had a good, a good first day. Um, you know, Montez Sweat, he's, he's long, kind of lean, had showed a little bit more power and, and snap in his hand yesterday. Um, I would say he's probably the highest rated prospect here at this point. What about O'Shane um, Ziminus? Is he, is he on the yeah, radar? Ziminus Am I would saying be, that right? Yes. Ziminus, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Kuiper's got it down. He said it 400 times last week. Yeah. Um, is that right, Mel? That is true. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, Shane right. Ziminus. Uh, then you, you know, I think Ziminus is, is in the mix kind of, you know, 20 to, 20 to 40 range in terms mm-hmm. of picks. Somewhere in that late first, early second round range. I think Chase Winovich from Michigan is going to wind up going a little bit higher than people think, maybe as early as the second round. Um, those would Here. be a couple other guys. I think, you know, just watching Terry McLaurin, I was texting with you. I, I think he, from Ohio State, I'm not saying he's a first or second round he guy at all. What's his 40 he, time going to be, Todd? Well, judging off this zebra technology, which I don't know why it took us this long to figure out that we could actually measure speed with pads and playing football versus running a 40 yard dash in shorts. But, um, but he had, he was the fastest player on the first day of the senior bowl, um, in terms of play speed. At max speed of twenty two point two miles an hour uh, yesterday, so That's he really he helped himself just just with that. He also got open vertically and, and kind of had two of the biggest biggest plays in the passing game yesterday, just running by defensive backs. And as as we're talking about with Chris, he's um, before we got in the podcast, he's a a great special teams player. He's one of those aces that kind of can do a lot of different things in special teams, cover kicks and those sorts of things. So he brings that speed and attitude to the field. So I, I think guys like that can really help themselves. Will, Will Harris, the safety from Boston College, uh, had a really good day. Um, 
you know, he's again, he's a mid-round type prospect, but he's big, physical guy that showed instincts and, and better cover skills yesterday uh, than, than I kind of expected to see from him. So, uh, there's some players that even after just one day have already stood out. Mel, tell me about Zach Allen from Boston College. That's another guy. I think probably early in the season we saw uh, maybe had first round potential, but again. There's so many pass rushers, D tackles, guys. Maybe there might be some just really, really good players uh, in that group that fall into rounds two and three. Is he kind of in that mix? Yeah, I think he's a that guy like Todd said about the, the Zeminist. I think that twenty-five to forty range for Allen. I, he, he's a big guy, and he's he's got the obviously you talk about wingspan. He's got long arms. What was he? Thirty-four and a half, Todd, for arm length um, for his size. Yeah, a productive guy, hardworking, tough, uh, gives it everything he yeah, has. And I, half. Yeah, 34 and a half. Yeah, 34 So, I mean, he's got the ability to disrupt, bat down passes, uh, you know, do a lot of good things. He's got, I think, versatility to fit schemes, different schemes in the NFL. You kick him inside, he can give you a lot. He's a great effort guy. Does he close? Does he finish once he's in the NFL? Does he have that that burst to the quarterback? Uh, you know, we'll see. The combine's going to be very important for Zach Allen. But as a player, that's the kind of guy you want on your team to be on your football team and your rotation. Great, like say, versatility. Great character. Uh, you know, high effort guy. I think Allen's a guy you get into the 25 to 35 range, Todd. 25 to 40. I think that's where he comes off the board. Depends Depending, depending yeah. upon the combine, if it goes does a great job at the combine, then he becomes a guy that you think will go in that twenty-two to thirty-two range. Todd, so just to answer your oh, answer your question, Sprout, the I've got four guys in the top thirty-two right now that that um, are in this game. So, and the the struggle is for Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. The struggle is when you look at the top thirty two. I don't want to sit here and count, but I would guess about twenty two, twenty three of my top thirty two are are uh, underclassmen. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Only eight guys. So twenty four of thirty two. Only eight guys are seniors. So four of eight is a pretty good percentage. And some of those other guys, like Josh Allen, is going to be a top 10 pick. DeAndre Baker could be the second corner off the board. Christian Wilkins has nothing left to show after Clemson, um, you know, his career at Clemson. So they got Montez Sweat, uh, O'Shane Zimenez, Zach Allen, and John Abram, the safety from Mississippi State, are probably the four top prospects that are here in Mobile this week. Mel. Yeah, and a couple guys, real quick. Oh, I, I wanted to see which uh, – Corey Ballantyne from Washburn. Yeah, he's got good size. He's got decent arm length. He competes. Uh, he had a really good career at a lower level of competition. Yeah, just initially. He's fast. He held up, and I want to get your take. You're down there on field level watching a guy like Corey Ballantyne from Washburn. Could he be a third or fourth round pick? Yeah, I think he could. He was the second fastest with that, that technology. Um, he got burned early in practice in a one-on-one going up against, um, oh, it was going up against McLaurin. And so the fastest guy got the second fastest guy one on one, but but then he battled back and he kept popping up in drills and and kept you know kept battling and and showed kind of got better as the day went on and showed confidence to bounce back from something like that. You know, you come from Washburn, and all of a sudden your first one on one of Senior Bowl practice is up against an Ohio State wide receiver who's the fastest player here. You give up a touchdown. And now you've got to battle back. And you're on an island, and every single scout and general manager in the National Football League just watched you do it. And that shows a lot of mental toughness to be able to do that. And I was impressed, at least, uh, with Ballantyne and, and the way he played and, and the way he kept battling yesterday. 
Mel, let's see, hit a few of the under-the-radar guys in Mobile before we close up shop on, on the Senior Bowl. Nasir Adderley, am I saying that right? A safety from Delaware. Everybody likes versatile players in the secondary right now. You've seen a lot of dimes. You've seen a lot of you know teams that are looking for this versatility. Is this a legit guy? Well, while we always go to Daniel Jones, and Todd lets me have Daniel Jones, I'm going to let Todd have Adderley because Todd was the wow. first one that highlighted Adderley uh, out of Delaware. He's a Richmond guy, so he knows this Colonial Athletic Association very well. So I'm not going to jump well, the one interception Adderley, the Adderley that Adderley yeah. had against against Richmond. I finally so I <laughs> had I was looking on this roster, and Adderley was one of the guys I had not watched any tape on. So I, I popped in the first tape. Obviously, I'm going to watch against Richmond, top competition, Mel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had one of the highlight reel interceptions that n- nobody actually saw, but was maybe the best interception of the entire college football season. I, I, you know, he's tracking the ball vertically. The ball comes about an inch away from the ground and he gets over his shoulder, almost like Willie Mays style and, and just lays out and gets the ball just before it, it hits the ground. Um, and he had two interceptions in that game and he's, he's just a ball hawking free safety. Uh, six foot, 200 pounds is what he was listed at coming in. Um, he's, yeah, five, five, 11, he's basically six foot, 195 pounds. So measured pretty well for, for safety. He's a free safety type, as I said, with versatility, can cover deep middle, uh, can cover in the slot. I, I don't know that he's a first round pick. Maybe he is, but I think he's definitely in that discussion in the, the day, day two range. And I think this week will help him. And they're starting to become more and more buzz about Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. Yeah, we all remember Herb Adderley and the bloodline's we there. So I, there's no question uh, he will be a guy. I think first round may be a little rich for me right now. Uh, some have talked mm-hmm. about that. I, I'd, I'd agree. I think he's a day two guy. Uh, but that Colonial, uh, we always talk about Colonial Athletic Association, great level of competition for one AA and some good football players out of that conference every year that go within the first four to five rounds of the draft. Sound like the commissioner, Mel. Mel, important topic. I have a I have a soft spot for defensive tackles who can do yep. backflips. Yep. So Kalen Sanders oh, is yeah. probably in the top five of my big board. Uh, really well respected big board there. Yep. Kalen Saunders, Western yep. Illinois. Yep. I once played a college game in Western Illinois. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's mm-hmm. nothing to do. He probably is good at football if he can do backflips. What do you say? Love the kid. I wrote him up on ESPN.com uh, you know, after the uh, game for the Leathernecks had against Indiana State November 17th. Good football player. I, you know, I was impressed. In that game against Indiana State, he had 11 tackles and two sacks. Now, he pursues down the line. Swim move you saw in that game. Leverage against a center guard. Active hands. He found the ball. And he was, at the time, third on their team in total tackle. So this is a kid who's productive. Really hustles. Uh, I thought, you know, at the time when I did this, it was November 17th, that maybe he could be a fifth-round guy, fourth-round guy. We'll see how that all shakes down. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't see, obviously, this week and combine going to be important for him. And then the pro days, all the, the process and see how it treats Kalen Saunders. But as a football player on November 17th against Indiana State, uh, he, he definitely jumped out and caught the eye of any NFL scouts that were in attendance at that game. One more sleeper I wanted to mention uh, Todd, am I saying this right? Charles Omenahu. Mm-hmm. I say it because it's it's weird to think of a sleeper coming out of Texas, but that sure enough, that's who this guy is. What are we dealing with here? Defensive end? Is this a, just another pretty good edge type who gets a little bit lost in this class that's just loaded with him? Yeah, I think it could be. I mean, he had he had a good season at Texas. He's um, 
He's a, a player that when you just you look at him physically, he fits the part. He's um, incredibly long arms, exactly. Todd. Yeah, his, his measurements his, yesterday his wingspan were wingspan and arm strength were at 30, 36 and a half arms, 30, 85 wingspan, 6'5 and a half, 274. So he, he does. And, I, and what I thought he about him, the part, man. He, he does. Early in the year, he was getting it done. And then he hit a quiet stretch. Then he came on a little late. So he kind of, it kind of mirrored Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat had that great start because you talked about him as a first round guy who would look good. Yep. Uh, yes. Montez Sweat had four and a half sacks the first four games. I did my top 10, Todd. I had like the eighth best player in this draft early in the year. And then seven games after that, from September 29th to November 17th, he had two sacks. So he was a little more quiet, and they were handling him because they obviously got the attention of everybody that was first, that first month of the season. Then the last two games for Sweat, he had a sack, uh, one and a half sacks against Ole Miss and a half a sack against Iowa. But I think when you look at, at Malmenahu, kind of mirrored what Sweat did. Great start. People got a were aware of him. Blocking scheme to handle him. Then they came one a little late. So uh, Sweat's a first-rounder. Amenahu, I think, depending upon how people react to workouts where he is going to actually say look the part. If you saw him early in the year, you'll like them a lot. Uh, I'd say he could be a third round guy. Yeah, he was, he, you know, he had a, what was a sack against USC. They kind of started getting attention. Mm-hmm. And then he went through a stretch where he had six, six and a half sacks in like a five game span mm-hmm. going, you know, from Kansas state, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma state, West Virginia, Texas tech. Then he, he cooled off for a couple yep. weeks, but then he, you know, against Kansas, he had another sack and another mm-hmm. sack against Oklahoma. He finished with a team high nine and a half sacks. So he's got the measurements. He had production this year. Like Mel said, he's a little bit up and down, but Omenahue is, is definitely, um, is definitely a player that I think can help himself this week. And as the process continues, if he runs well and, and does well in some of the, the short area quickness things that you look for in a pass rusher, uh, he could certainly help himself. And one thing real quick, I think the most important aspect, and you watch the NFL now with tackling so important in space, arm length, Todd, for prospects is critical. Yes. The short arm guys are going to be up against it. The, the, the college game, the NFL game, so different. So I think the arm length for cornerbacks is critical. Arm length for linebackers and tackling and getting off blocks critical. Defensive lineman, offensive lineman. You find me a position, Todd, outside of quarterback where arm length isn't important. Arm length is huge. So when we look at that's the first thing you gravitate to is obviously hand size for a quarterback, arm length for virtually everybody else on the football field. You know, it's funny because arm length comes up and people kind of roll their eyes like, oh, that's scout speak. But I've heard NFL head coaches address this specifically. I've heard uh, Pete Carroll talk about Richard Sherman's arm length, and he's, and he's literally said that shaves time off his 40. He, he made up that ground because he has long arms, and you see it. You literally see that play out on an NFL field. Mel... I'll give you one more because you're really in arm length right now. <laughs> Six eight, two forty, thirty-six inch arms. He's a pterodactyl. Donald Parham is a tight end from Stetson. Yep. Mel Kuyper's arm length all stars. What are we working with here? Well, you know, again, production at a low level, but uh, those numbers, Todd, are rare. And you talk about a guy who will have a chance because of that. Uh, I haven't seen anybody have that type of skill set, you know, coming out in a while where you look at the numbers across the board. Phenomenal for Parham. I, I, I don't remember. You have to go back and you, know, you chronicle all this, Todd. Do you ever remember anybody that had the type of 
size and numbers overall that this kid has. He's going to be intriguing. I mean, no. Titus Howard, Alabama State, obviously at 6'5", 322 with his hand size, arm length, and wingspan is going to be impressive. But when you get a kid that is unique to uh, to numbers, and it's obviously going to jump off the page to you. I mean, I, I just circled guys. Ben Powers, arm length impressive. Red wine at Miami of Florida. Okariki, Stanford, Anthony Nelson, Iowa. You would certainly, Dalton Risner's arm length was good, but you would certainly put him in that category of kind of jumping off uh, the page a little bit as a guy that it's six, eight and a half, 243, huge hands. What do what you have, 36 and an eighth arms, Todd? 36 and an eighth, yep. Ten wow. and a half in wow. hand, six six oh eight three, two hundred and forty three pounds. Whoa. Kuiper's got him in the top ten yeah. now. That's rare. Yeah. Guys, we'll get we'll finish this up. One more from Mobile. We gotta give the shout out to a small school guy, Charleston. John Kaminsky. Todd, what do I know about this guy? Kaminsky out of Charleston. It's one of the um he was one of the players when I talked to Jim Nagy coming in. Who said? Because you know, there's a hundred guys here, yeah. and I have not watched every single guy so far because you got another hundred and twenty something. I don't know <laughs> what the official number was, but over a hundred and twenty underclassmen too. So you can't get to all of them before this week. And and when I talked to Jim Nagy coming in, he was he said that Kaminsky was one of the guys you, you had to keep an eye on this week and could benefit himself more and help his draft stock more than maybe any player here. So it. It's going to be interesting to see throughout the week if, if that's the case. But Jim Nagy was really high on this guy coming it's in. He's 6'5", with 286, Todd, and he had the, the big hands. And, and the you know, arm length, 33 and an eighth, I believe, on Kaminsky. So, yeah, he's a guy that uh, will certainly get a chance to be in that day three, the, uh, the mix, and, and maybe have a chance to separate from some guys at the major college level you're looked at a lot closer going in. But uh, another kid I wanted to ask you about, Todd, because you're down there, Travis Fulgham, the wide receiver at Old Dominion. Uh, he had some quiet games this year. He had some outstanding games. He had nine catches for 188 yards against Virginia Tech, 10 against Florida Atlantic, 10 against Middle Tennessee State. Other games, he had two catches, one catch. But big kid, former walk-on, 6'2 210 with really long arms. Did Fogum pop any during practice to you? He did. I Actually, he's one of the guys I've got sitting here looking at my notes with the um, his length – I don't think that he's necessarily the the fastest guy or no. the most sudden, mm. but he's got length and and it just it looks like he's a player who will continue to develop. He's kind of a smooth athlete, caught the ball well from what I saw. I can't you know you you don't see every catch, but from what I've seen, he he caught the ball well yesterday, and um and yeah, I think he got off to a, a good start. I mean that's that's a good group of receivers there. Hunter Renfro, Debo Samuel had a really good day. Mm-hmm. I thought he was one of the standouts of. Of the first day coming out of South Carolina. David Sills coming out of West Virginia caught everything thrown in his direction. Anthony Johnson, the Buffalo wide receiver. Um, so they have a pretty good group of wide receivers with uh, Tyree Jackson, Stidham, Minshew, and, and Will Greer throwing to them. Guys, going to take a quick break here. We got a pile of mail, and uh, I wanted to get your quick take on something John Gruden said yesterday. We'll uh, hit that right after the break. We're back from the break. Hey, if you want first draft every single week, and why not, make sure you're going to Apple Podcasts. Search first draft, subscribe, rate, and review. Man, is this important. Right, Josh? Very important. Helps us out. Helps you out. Because then you get the show delivered right to your front door. Holy cow. It's like Todd driving to your house and talking to the draft 
We like Todd in his car. Um, guys, are all-star games more important for small school guys than from Power 5 conferences? Nathan Hay asked this. Todd, you're down there. Do you get the sense that the small school guys, there's something more to your point? Um, you know, fewer NFL people have seen them. What do you, what's your take on that? I always think it's a huge week for those guys. I think more so than, than anyone else. And, you know, eventually you're going to be able to watch all, all the tape and these NFL teams have and the GMs are, are catching up. Um, but you don't know what you're watching all the time. And you don't know, based off the competition, you don't know if that cornerback that, that, um, the wide receiver just burned down the field if he runs a 4.65, a 4.7. And so it's just, it's hard to kind of match it up. So guys like Nasir Adderley from Delaware, um, Corey Ballantyne from Washburn, we talked about John Kaminsky from, from, uh, Charleston as a defensive lineman, uh, another defensive lineman, Kalen Saunders from, from Western Illinois, who we talked about, who's made, News because of the the birth of his child and the backflips and all that, but this is an opportunity as a 310 pound nose tackle to come in and show that he can rush the quarterback and that he is more athletic than your your typical nose tackle. So there are a lot of guys here. Keelan Doss from UC Davis had a really good first day at the wide receiver position. He's got size at six three, two hundred pounds. So. I'm, more so than anything, I think that these these are the guys, and even the Stetson tight end we just talked about, 6'8 and change, 243 pounds with the big hands and 36 and an 8-inch arm length is um, even just that measurement to verify that. For a guy from Stetson, it, it jumps off the page, and now there are going to be teams that go back and say, wait, we got let's do some more work on this guy and make sure it, we might not be staring at a player that could emerge and, and has a huge future ahead of him, and we're going to miss on because just because he came out of Stetson. So I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of those guys I just mentioned. Mel, Jason Pruitt asks, which position group do you see where there's risers, the guys that could unexpectedly crash the first round? Is it tackle, maybe wide receiver? We've talked about how the class might be a little thin at wide receiver. What, what group do you see that you, you, you think – a guy or two could come out of that group and crash. Senior bowl wise or overall? Just overall. Overall, in terms of crashing the first round? Yeah, I think when you look at the, the running back position, do we get one, Todd? Do we get one guy, maybe two, that at least has a first round grade after all said and done? And I look at guys that I think we're going to be keeping an eye on. I'll throw some names. Devin Singletary out of Florida Atlantic. Uh, you know, the Alabama kids, Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris, who emerges out of those two at Alabama as the top guy. Josh Jacobs, I think Nick Saban had gone on record back in October, most explosive back on the team. Once he heard that, he said, I gotta watch this kid. He finished so strong. So Josh J, David Montgomery, Iowa State, some people like, I think there's gonna be a real battle. I think Josh Jacobs gonna crash the party. Josh Jacobs, very well good. Yeah, he's the guy, because all the guys, Damian Harris didn't have the opportunities because of Jacobs being the guy and Najee Harris being in the mix. Montgomery is the burst good enough. Henderson, Memphis, versatile. Singletary, underrated at Florida Atlantic. And Bryce Love's coming off an injury. So I think you look at this right now and you say, okay, what running back? Todd's going on record saying Josh Jacobs. I would tend to agree with that at Alabama. But right now, that's open competition. Wide receiver. Very intriguing there because we don't have a defined number one guy. Hollywood Brown's small, but he's built for today's NFL. A.J. Brown, is he kind of a Jarvis Landry type? Paris Campbell, everybody says he's going to run great at the combine. Then you got the big guys like Harry at Arizona State, Metcalf, Old Miss, Butler, Iowa State. You know, Debo Samuels had a good week, more probably of a 2-3. So, J.J. Arcega, Whiteside. I think wide receiver and running back. 
Because we all harp on offense, offense, offense. When you don't have a defined number one receiver right now, Hollywood Brown's been my guy all year, but he is small. One running running back. Is it Josh Jacobs? After all said and done, that would be very interesting to see a guy like that emerge because he's got, like I said, Saban said, most explosive back we have. He's got some really good ones in that stable of running back. So, and he can like, block, he can catch. He's like, got a chip, runs with a chip. Uh, you know, guy that wasn't highly recruited out of high school, goes to Alabama, earns his way. So I think running back receiver are going to be very, very fascinating over the next two, three months. Hey, Todd, Carrington Ashley asks, how deep is this year's cornerback class? Are there guys where you look at them right away and you say, you know what, that guy's probably going to end up in the slot? The cornerback class, I think overall, it, it's, a, it's a solid group. I wouldn't say it's great, to be perfectly blunt. I mean, you've got Greedy Williams, DeAndre Baker at the top, Williams out of LSU and, okay. and Baker out of Georgia. Um, Williams a little bit more athletic, probably a little faster. Uh, he's got the length that you look for, inconsistent late in the season, but um, but he's you know to me he's a little bit more athletic than Baker. Baker's more instinctive and consistent. Um, Julian Love, you know, th- th- it's not quite as deep in that second third round range as we've seen in years past, and I think. You know, guys like Savion Smith from Alabama coming out early is going to, that'll help the group. Jamal Peters has talent out of Mississippi State. Pamp Cheevers from Boston College, a little bit underrated. Uh, Chris Boyd has talent, but up and down during his career at, at uh, Texas. So there's a, there's just not quite as, as good a group when, that you look for in terms of guys that can come in and be a, a number two starter, a nickel starter, or even, uh, you know, work up as a number four corner, those types of guys that we've seen in, in years past. And yeah, a couple guys have length uh, that are underclassmen are Justin Lane, Michigan State, and Joan Williams at Vanderbilt to see how they run, how they test with the length that they have at cornerback, which is obviously very important. Uh, I think the combine for them, Trayvon Mullen, is he going to push into the first out of Clemson? Julian Love, Notre Dame, Byron Murphy, Washington. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I think the combine is going to separate some of those guys that are right now kind of battling for the second or third round. Guys, just to wrap this up, one last question here from uh, Chris in Bristol. I want to address something that John Gruden, former colleague, said at the Senior Bowl yesterday, which is essentially he looks at Kyler and he just feels like, you know, the jury's out now, um, you know, with Wilson, with Breeze, with Mayfield. He just... He's he's taking that hide. I'm not saying he forgets it entirely, but I, I couldn't quote him directly. But he said he's just basically just not really worried about it anymore. There's enough guys that have shown they can figure out a way to get things done. Mel, is that basically your sense of this as well? I think it is. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what he really is height-wise. If football's, he's all in on football. Is he five nine, five ten? Um, what is he? Because uh, I think it is important. Uh, there is a cutoff point to height. At some point, there's going to be going to be too short. Five seven, five six, five five. When when's going to be too short? So I think five nine, five ten is important. Russell Wilson was about five ten and a half. So I think when you look at that, yeah. And I think Kyler Murray, if he is five ten. I think he goes in the top five, top ten overall. Uh, you know, if he's five nine, I think more mid first, but it's not going to be that big a deal because there's going to be plenty of people out there like John Gruden and say, I don't care. We, we know this is in the, today's NFL. These guys are in space. They can get away. They can play. And Murray is special. He's, if he wasn't special in all the other areas, Todd, he would be not a, a big time prospect, but he is rare in terms of speed and athleticism. We know that arm strength. Great accuracy. Great. Moving around, throwing. He, I think he hangs in the pocket pretty well. Now, there were times where he left the pocket a little early. Who doesn't? 
Okay, that has that kind of speed and sees a little opening and says, hey, I can run for 20, 30, 40 yards. But he will be a guy, goes through progressions in the pocket. That's very underrated with Kyler Murray. Very underrated what he did at Oklahoma in that area. Yeah, I've been saying it for, for a while now. John's right? just cribbing from Todd, Mel. <laughs> we, yeah, right. we get a, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like we've had this conversation almost. Uh, There's only a second podcast. We're already so tired maybe of in, in other Murray. formats, yeah. we've done it. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I think it's, but it, it's I, I just think I think with the game changing in the college game kind of trickling into the NFL, teams spreading it out more. Um, there were there was a stat the other day I got from from Hembo, our uh, stats and information guy at ESPN. The since two in the last ten years, uh, quarterbacks who are six foot and shorter have had fewer balls batted down at the line of scrimmage than quarterbacks who are six one or taller. Last year was the most we've ever seen quarterbacks throw the ball outside of the pocket compared to inside of the pocket. And over the last 10 years as well, um, last year's rushing doubled what it was 10 years ago in terms of quarterbacks, quarterbacks running the football and was the most that we've seen in the last decade. So you, you look at, if you're looking for statistics to back it up, those are three that, that show you the game is changing. Uh, the offenses are evolving and quarterbacks are more mobile and it's and the lack of height is not affecting them when they are even throwing from inside the pocket. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing. You know, I remember um, the year when Wilson came out and Osweiler when when you actually kind of looked at the tape where Wilson had an over the top motion and Osweiler kind of threw off his shoulder. You you look at it and you could side by side him and see. They were basically throwing it at the exact same height. Now, you start those guys in shotgun, um, you know, some of the line of scrimmage issues go away more than, more than you'd think. I, obviously, height is still important, but it just seems like to Todd's point, to Mel's point, to Gruden's point, it's just less of a factor. And it's certainly working in, uh, Kyler Murray's favor. Guys, uh, appreciate the time. We'll do it again next week. We'll have a cap. We'll have some more numbers, more arm lengths out of Mobile, and uh, we can start looking forward the NFL Combine just a few weeks away. That's First Draft for this week. Uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.